0: John chapter 9. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. At least that's what he said, right? I am the light of the world. He made that claim pretty strongly uh, there at the Feast of the Tabernacles where all of those big lamps were lit in the background. He stood in the shadows with a bunch of, of people and he said, I am the light of the world. And and the essence of their response was basically, prove it. That's really what the response was. Now, they didn't really say that in so many words, but if you remember back at the ends of chapter 7 and chapter 8, there are these ongoing struggles that you have with Jesus trying to figure out who he really is, and the text says that some of them believed it. I think we remember that. There were so many different opinions about, about who he was, and what he was saying, and there were some who believed and I think that chapter 9 is really nothing more than Jesus just answering that challenge. To, you know, prove that you're the light of the world, and so uh, show us that you actually can, well, actually turn blindness into sight. And so, actually, that's what Jesus does. Uh, this story in, in John chapter 9 is just that. It's just, I think it's a marvelous story of, uh, about a person who was born blind, and then Jesus. Encounters that particular person. But I want to just look at John chapter 9. It's, uh, um, I think, a fascinating story. Uh, We'll look at, start it with verse number one there, and just read uh, along with that there. John chapter 9, verse 1. As Jesus went along, he saw a man that was blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? That he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must work to do we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This means scent. And so the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened? They demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked. I don't know, he said. I think this is just a simple story. There's this man who is in Jerusalem. He's been born blind. He's never been able to see. I I mean, you can almost imagine what that might have maybe been like uh, for him and for his family. And you know, Back maybe a couple thousand years, and kind of realize that uh, this is an era of, this is a time when there's just really no special agencies uh, to help people who are struggling with this this blindness issue. I mean, you think about it. There's no braille Bibles. There's no there's no books on tape at the at the public library. There's there there's, there's nothing. There 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 would have been no employment training in order to help this man get a job. Um, uh, he had one future. He had one future only, and that was for him just to sit at the side of the road and and beg. That hope that people would take care of him, and 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 I'm um that that he was just going to be a beggar all of his life. That's that's really the only option that he had. I think we can see that he's. You can only imagine that that, that people. Uh, would get used to seeing the beggar on the side of the road and some folks would have been kind. And I'm just guessing. I, I don't know this for sure, but I'm in life, if life was anything like, like we see it today, uh, there's my guess is that there were some regular people who just took care of him, who stopped and, 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 and took care of him. Every, every time that they went by him, they um, you know, threw a couple coins in his hat and uh, took care of him. And there's others, uh, maybe like we would do today, who, who would, would walk by and really tend just not to even see him. You know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, uh, my guess is that there are people who just, just walk right on by because they, you, you, you know, what? they just kind of get used to the fixtures and the furniture, right? But Jesus does this odd thing. This is an incredible text, I think. He, he spits on the ground And he mixes up a little mud with that and then he puts that on the man's eyes. He sticks it to the guy's eyes and he says, now I want you to go to the pool of Siloam and I want you to wash. Well, we wouldn't have understood it quite like he did. The pool of Siloam was that particular place under the days of Hezekiah. And one of the things that this pool is, is it's really actually a pool of water under the it's it's actually a pool of water that's outside the walls of Jerusalem which they tunneled to in order to get uh, the water and bring that into the city and, and so that there would be this opportunity for deliverance during times of war, during times when they were being seized upon. And, 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 and so it just always carried with us this sense of that, that this was a place of deliverance. This is a special place. This is this is a, a real important place. And so the man goes to this place of deliverance and he washes the mud off of his eyes and all of a sudden he can see. Now I don't know about you, but that must have been a remarkable experience. I mean, I, I don't think if I ever had a choice, I mean, if I had a choice, I, I don't even think I'd ever want to make the choice, but if I had to choose one of the senses that I would least likely that I would least likely to, that I would be least likely to lose. boy, I'm telling you my eyes, I think that would be at the top of the list. It would right be right up there towards the top. My mom uh, is, has uh, macular degeneration, and for the last five years that 's been slowly getting getting worse. She's uh, 80 i don 't know how 77. 77 years old and um, at this point, she is only able to, she knows that I'm her son, but she really can't see me other than the shadows and the images. Uh, that's just got to be towards the top where I think about some of this that I would want to lose. But th- that inability to see, it's, that, that must have been an absolute marvel to, to, to be able to see for the very first time ever. I mean, this guy was blind from birth and, and all of a sudden, you know, we don't even get to hear how that turned out, however. <laughs> Do you notice that in this story? Because, well, actually, quite frankly, that really wasn't the point. Because the very next thing that we see in this text is not so much pointing on, it's the investigation. There's this event and now the investigation starts in verse 13. Look at verse number 13. Uh, They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind, who had been born blind. And now the day on which this which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. You kind of you detect already that, okay, we're going to have trouble, right? Therefore, verse 15, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sights. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, well, this man is not from God, for he did not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how? can a sinner do such miraculous signs? And so they were divided. And finally they turned around again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he, was, he is a prophet. The Jews uh, still did not believe that he had been born, that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one that you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know that he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. A second time, they they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. I like the response here, okay? Weren't you paying attention? I already gave you the story, but... You know, I mean, This is a great question. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become His disciples too? Then they hurled insults at Him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes? We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. This is a great story. Pharisaic interview, you know, the Pharisees come and interview this fan. It's, it's a Sabbath controversy. I mean, I, after all, it's the, you know, it, it is the Sabbath, right? Can't do anything of importance on the Sabbath outside of what the Pharisees said. That is, you know, you need to stay within the rules. Now, it's okay to heal, by the way. It is okay to heal on the Sabbath. It was okay to heal on the Sabbath if the healing is, in fact, a medical emergency, right? If somebody's going to die and you can stop them from dying, it's okay to step in and to, and to help them not from, you know, to not die. That, you know, that's, that would be okay. But see, this is not an emergency, right? I mean, we see that, right? I mean, after all, this man has been blind from birth. What's another day, right? What's that going to matter? Wait until Sunday. But see, the problem wasn't that he healed him. So much as the fact that he worked to heal him, right, you know how he did that, right? He mixed mud now it, it wasn't a lot of mud, right, albeit I mean it just it, it wasn't a lot, just enough to coat the man's eyes. but see, he needed the mud, and it was very clear in the law in the laws about the law you couldn't mix stuff, you couldn't need stuff like like bread on the Sabbath. And, and so Jesus is in trouble because he broke the rules again. And so they go to his parents. Is this really him? You know, yeah, it's really him. We recognize him. I mean, after all, we gave birth to him. Uh, we, 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 we know for sure that he was born blind. Um, but how he started to see, we, we, we just don't know. You ask him. He's old enough. And see, their problem was that they didn't want to get thrown out of the synagogue. The synagogue was the hub of Jewish life. It was it was the place. It was the place. Uh, it was your whole religious life. It was your whole social life. It was your whole civil life. I, I mean, if you got thrown out of the out of the synagogue, you just got wiped out. You no longer had any opportunity to know God or to know people. You were in trouble. And rather than than take the risk, they said, it, you know, "It's just not worth it." You know, don't want to know? Ask him. You know, find out what he says. So they so they come to back to the blind man, and, and he gives this wonderful response. Do you want to be his disciples too? I, I mean, you can almost hear the sass, can't you? Say, yeah, I hear that, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You can hear it. I mean, but it's a good sass. I, I mean, after all, we're on his side, right? So it's okay. Uh, but but then they make this profound statement: we are disciples of Moses. I mean, they, they made it really clear, didn't they? They had already taken their stand. Well, then you come to the last section where Jesus does this, a little bit of his own work. He asks and he says, well, finding the blind man, verse number 35. Uh, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you now have seen him. In fact, he is the one who is speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Notice they they didn't miss the point. <laughs> Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. You know, there are some really tough questions in this text here. I, I I, I want to just hit a couple of them. We only have time for a couple of them this morning, but I, if it's okay with you before we move any, any further, just a, a couple of tough questions right here in this text. And, and this first one I've kind of grappled with for quite a while. For example, this, this tough question, is this man bl- born blind because of his sin? Is he blind because of his parents' sin? I mean, who, who sinned? You see the, the question that comes up uh, uh, by the disciples is, uh, Rabbi, who, who sinned, this man or his parents? You know, it was that, that alternative that was given to them. You know, which one was it? I mean, it's that automatic assumption that if there's a problem in somebody's life, nobody, that, that somebody has had to have sinned. So the question becomes now, whose fault is it? And I couldn't help but think about our, our whole tragedy that's going on in our culture today, or, or in, down in Florida and Texas and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I see a lot of that. I hear a lot of that. Is, that, is this God's judgment? Is this? And, and I, I look at that, and I, I, I don't know that that's much different than these people looking for those who caused this. I just think it's a great question, because all of us who face difficulty actually find ourselves, I think, one way or another asking that hard question, is this my fault? Did I do something to deserve this? Is suffering somehow a result of sin? You want me to give you the answer to that? I think yes it is, and no it isn't. I think it's both. I mean, is it possible for some bad things to happen to people that, 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 those, that are things that happen to people that are really a result of of sin and, and maybe some bad choices? i sure it is, right? I mean, some of you have met my friend Ed. Um, I don't know if you remember him or not. He's, he's done some work for the church. He's done some great, um, you know, filling out some posters. He lives down by Broadhead. And um, his mom uh, was Marge. Her name was Marge. She's she had some heart problems. Back in 1989, after the death of her husband, she she, uh, she, had, a, she had an angina attack during his funeral, in fact. And, and she went to the doctors and the doctor said, you know what, Marge, if you don't quit smoking, you're going to be dead in five years. And uh, so she, she actually quit smoking and, and uh, she lived for 16 more years. Uh, but the damage really was done. And, and the interesting thing is, because I talked with Marge, and she was, a, she was kind of, um, she, was, um, she was a very forthcoming person, loved her, I, I loved her, uh, this lady. She's just an incredible lady. But you know what? She never blamed anyone but herself. I mean, she was, you know what? I only have myself. All those years that she smoked cigarettes, she said, you know, I did this myself. I only have myself to blame. She didn't feel sorry for herself. She didn't blame it on anyone else. And I think about that oftentimes, and I think, you know, there's consequences, right, to people's actions. Yes, I mean, it it, it happens fairly regularly. We make choices, and sometimes we suffer from those choices, and sometimes, frankly, the suffering is worse than if somebody had uh, imposed it on us, because we don't have anyone to blame but ourselves, and we know that. But can I give you the no side of that answer, too? You see, frankly, some suffering in the world is nothing more than a result of just living in a fallen universe. The world is chaotic and bad things happen. And frankly, I think there is very little explanation for it other than the fact that it happens. It just does. It's the consequence of being human in a fallen world where not everything goes right. You know, back to our question. (laughs) Was this man born blind because of his sin? It would seem to me that based upon Jesus' response that he really was given a false alternative. The disciples come up to him in verses, uh, verse number two, and they say, "Who sinned, this man or his parents?" Jesus seems to just take that and and move around that. He he doesn't even he it's like he doesn't even consider that as being a viable option. Do you notice that in this text? It's not even a viable option when he, you know, who sinned, this this man, or his parents. This. Um, Jesus says, "This it wasn't his man, uh, this man or his parents. This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life." Now, I've wrestled with this all week because um, there's there's others who have suggested that this actually could be could be worded differently. And, and as I look at the as I look at the text and I, and I see it, and and regardless of how, how we might look at this, I don't think it matters either way. But some have suggested that that you could actually read this text and say, you know what, this happened now, so that the work of God actually could be displayed in his life, uh, could be displayed in our lives, let's do the work of God. In other words, it's not that this happened so that the work could be displayed in his life, but it seems also that there's just as much support for, at least in my, and I don't want to make it all confusing, but there's just as much to say that, you know what, for some reason. This has happened, and this is, because of that, somehow um, the work of God is going to be displayed in this guy's life. Um, However you look at that, Jesus, one thing that we know is Jesus refuses to accept the alternative of blame, and he shifts the discussion from blame to the grace of God in the face of human need. Well, I think there's a second tough question here. And that is, what's the matter with these Pharisees? I mean, I, I just, to be honest with you, I'm sorry, I just don't get that they don't get it. I, I mean, how many times, how many different ways, how many times does Jesus have to say the same thing before, finally, before they finally catch on to what's going on? Now, this is not new news. We've been talking about this the last three weeks. The Old Testament predicted multiple times that when the Messiah comes that He's going to bring healing to the blind. He will bring light into darkness. And as soon as He shows up, as soon as He tries to do that, they want to know, where does this guy come from? He couldn't possibly be from God. Now don't miss this. Here's the argument. The blind man, the beggar, The uneducated, illiterate person sitting on the side of the road uh, apparently has has had somebody give him a good case of logic because, because he's worked it out in his own mind. He's got this all figured out. Here it comes. Are you ready for this? Jesus healed me. God doesn't listen to sinners. God only listens to the obedient. Nobody's ever heard of anyone being born blind, becoming a sighted person ever before. Therefore, he must be something special. And the Pharisees listened to that and they said, (laughs) Uh -uh, I don't think so. But the Sabbath, they blew the Sabbath, right? I mean, here's what that's called. It's called a paradigm. A paradigm is the way of looking, that we look at things. It's, It's this framework framework through which we view things. And, and when you view things in a certain way, that's the only way that you could ever see it. We, we look at that through certain lenses. And so because they had already made up their mind that, that, that this could not be the Messiah, nothing that he ever did, nothing he ever said could ever possibly convince them that in fact he was the Messiah because their minds had already been made up. It sounds a little bit like this in human history, in, back, in, back in the church history. The, the sun does not revolve around the earth. In fact, the sun stands still and the planets revolve around the sun. Well, how do you know? Well, because it makes sense and because I looked at it and I looked through a telescope. And they said, you're out of here. And the church excommunicated excommunicated Galileo because he said that the earth was not the center of of human existence, the center of the universe. And 340 years later, they had to reinstate him. Like that was going to do them any good, right? Why could they not see that? Because they'd already made up their mind. See, they had already made up their mind that the sun revolves around the planets just like the Pharisees had made up their mind that Jesus couldn't be the Messiah. And I wonder how many things that that I have made up in my mind before I ever walk into this building, before before I ever step foot in, certain things cannot happen because they just don't happen that way. I am the light of the world, Jesus said. And the response came back, prove it. And so Jesus heals a blind man. But you, know, you need to notice that this isn't about physical blindness. I mean, it is, but, but it really isn't. Do you notice the progress in this text? Because this blind man didn't just see. He saw the light, the light. Do you notice that? Verse number 10, kind of notice how this progresses. Number 10 says, who did it? And he said, a man called Jesus. Verse number 17, what is, what is it that you have to say about it? He says, this man must be a prophet. So his name is Jesus. He must be a prophet. You come a little bit further into verse 24 and following, and they come to him and they say, now tell us the truth. We believe this man is a sinner. And he responds by saying, oh, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. Uh, I don't know what you think, but I think that he came from God. And then Jesus confronts him a little bit later and he says, do you not want it? Do you want to know who the Son of Man is? And he says, Or do you, do you know who the Son of Man is?" He says, "I don't know. He says, "Show me." And so Jesus says, "I am he." And do you notice his response, "Lord, I believe." and He worships Him. The point of this text is sometimes the blind find their sight in Jesus. <laughs> oh, not, not their physical sight, their spiritual sight. You know, it's a funny thing, what light does to you. I can remember in high school, I, uh, Mike is, or yeah, not Mike, but Nate's wanted to try out for um, cross-country, and I remember practicing for that when, it was in, in, when I was in high school and running every morning, trying to run three, three hours every morning. And, you know, when we first started out in the fall, you know what it's like in the morning before school? It's kind of dark out. And I remember, I remember running along the side of the road, and, and some of those, I'd always meet some cars, and they would have, inevitably, I think that, you know, they'd see me on the side of the road, so the first thing that they did is they put their brights on so that they could see me better. I think they thought that helped. <laughs> you know what it did to me, right? What? Right away. Right away. They thought they were helping. Oh, we'll put the brights on. I, was like, I thought, man, I was just, hopefully I don't run into that car. But, um, but yeah, that's exactly what, what, what happens. And... Um, you just can't see anything when that happens, and um, but I think light is light that like that. Sometimes it sometimes light enlightens, sometimes light blinds you. What makes the difference, though? I think what makes the difference is the condition of the heart, because sometimes there are people who see the light, and and they believe. Some believe, and, and, but, but sometimes there are people who see the light and they just shake their heads and say, no way, that could not have been Jesus. And the difference is right here. Do you want to see, or have you already made up your mind that if you're ever going to know Jesus, it's going to be a certain way. It's going to be this way or it's going to be that way. Because I have a sneaking suspicion that he may do things differently than, than any of us really think that that he's going to do it. He may come to you in a way that, that's different than you've ever expected. And if if you've already made up your mind, if you've already decided that he's got to do it a certain way, you may just be like those Pharisees who... Are walking down the road, shaking their head and saying Jesus couldn't be the Messiah. And you know what? You would have been be- you would have become blind instead of seeing. Sometimes. Sometimes Jesus gives sight to the blind. But the problem isn't ever in him. It's right here. Pray with me, would you? Father, we are so oftentimes blinded by the world. And sometimes we've already made up our mind what life is like, what Jesus is like, what the church is supposed to be. And, and God, when we come face to face with him, we sometimes don't know what to do. Because he just doesn't fit what we expected. And Father, I just would pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts that you would help us to be receptive to the light like this man born blind. May we come to see and may we come to believe and, and just worship. We want to thank you for Jesus, the light of the world. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.